Welcome to the Self-Awareness and Self-Compassion Podcast, formerly known as the Full Spectrum Feeling Podcast. I'm your host, Blaise Schwaller, life coach, mom, and former tattoo artist. I help people heal their past, speak their truth, and love the lives that they're living now. Join me here every week for conversations on how to live an imperfect but fully engaged life that embraces all the feels so that you can stretch into your best life while enjoying the you that's here right now. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining me again this week. Um, This time I want to talk about the ebbs and flows of life in general, specifically as it relates to the things that I've learned about myself and about my family through doing my ancestry deep dive. So I don't know how many of you have also been on this website, but there is ancestry.com and you can hop in and put in your information and look up people and they have like birth records, death records, marriages, and all kinds of stuff. And if you have other people's trees, their family trees, sometimes you can compare theirs to yours and they might put in stories about stuff and you can learn a lot of really interesting things about who the people are in your personal history, which is interesting. And it ended up being more interesting than I thought for me. Like I was like, ah, oh, do I really care about who these people are? And like, everybody has a parent, has grandparents and whatever. But as I did it, one, I was fascinated how far back some of the history goes and to be able to go back, honestly, almost 500, 600 years in some cases on some of these lines was fascinating, but I started to see some patterns and I wanted to share that with you because it kind of opened my eyes into just human nature in general and the way that human society has typically flowed over time and what's been expected of us. One, because it puts into perspective how much we expect of ourselves now versus what was expected then. It also shows me how just ingenious people can be and how um, how interesting it is. Like people have been smart and people have been dumb all throughout time. And you have all of them in your own personal histories. It's amazing. So what I can say is that Everyone has in their history, people who have been involved in major wars, people who have been involved with royalty, people who have been rich, people who have been poor, people who have been laborers, people who have been slaves. It just goes on and on and on back through the ages. And that it also seems like it goes in cycles, which I thought was really fascinating and interesting. So in my history, I was finding that no matter when I came across someone who seemed to be nobility, who had like a title or lands or a name or worked for a king, like we have people that were spies for King Henry VIII. Like it's just crazy stuff that I was finding there where I'm like, this is ridiculous. And how did this even happen? But the truth is, honestly, for all of you listening, if you go back far enough, you're going to find all of this in your timelines too, because you go back far enough, we're all related. It's fascinating. But anyway... The thing that I thought was cool (laughs) was that the people who found themselves like Lord of a manor, it seemed like that and the titles stayed in the family for a maximum of like six or seven generations before people were now plowshares, farmers, and peasants again. And then they'd go another century, and then someone would be brilliant at something and get hired to work for someone else who had money. And then they'd be granted lands and titles and stuff. And then they'd be rich again and have a manor. (laughs) It would go again for another about four generations. And then the money would be spent and everybody would just be back to the working class. And I thought that was so interesting 
because it didn't just happen once. I saw this happen like at least 10 times in different timelines, not timelines, but like bloodlines. I don't even know what to say with it, but I'm like, okay, this seems to be a pattern that I'm pretty sure anyone would see in anyone's history as well as like people who traveled. So all of that made me think, huh, there's something to this. (laughs) There's something about the way that we accumulate wealth and distribute wealth that means that it doesn't really stay within families or dynasties for terribly long. I mean, honestly, though, seven generations is a long time, like it's over 100 years. But then it gets distributed, like not everybody is smart enough to manage it, I guess, or not everybody like there's too many children. Actually, it seems like that happens too, is that you can only distribute it so many times before it waters down, and then it's just not enough. So that was fascinating. Um, The amount of times that people traveled also kind of blew my mind, because I was thinking if you go back in time, how often were people really traveling far from where they were born? So I was starting to create little maps to be like, okay, if they started in this town in Germany, and then they got married in this town in Germany, how far apart is that really? And then what would induce someone to switch countries or move somewhere else? So in my particular case, I have like a mass exodus of people from Normandy, France, moving to Canada and like founding Canada, which is amazing. Um, And also terrifying and violent and terrible. (laughs) And it makes me go, okay, this, this is colonization. This is what happens. And this is how people interact. And this is how also people's histories get erased. Because there's, you know, my own Native American ancestry, and it's very, very small at this point. And how many times that happened, but kind of got erased or written over or like, you can actually see in the logs and the churches and stuff, them trying to write out a name and then just crossing it out and writing it as a French name. And it's also immigration records and how quickly and how often people's names just get changed and changed and changed again. How often people, you know, got sold into slavery or indentured or stolen by another civilization and shipped off somewhere else. How often another country like the French versus the English in these wars and people getting deported, even though they had been born there and they're like, nope, you can't live here anymore. So you're going to get deported to the United States. And then some people pretending to be people they weren't. It's just fascinating little stories. And it makes me think people have been dealing with crap forever. (laughs) It's just human existence. So as I looked through my history, it really um, made me appreciate the resiliency of people in general to just go, wow, like people have been struggling since the dawn of time. I couldn't go back to the dawn of time, but I can go back to Charlemagne and like just watching the maps change where the people's um, written history would say they were born. They were like in this, in Prussia, in Germany and like the country, same town. And it just keeps switching which alliance it's on and which language it's written in really, really fascinating stuff. But it makes me think how human of us that this stuff has been changing all the time. People are seen or written down as someone wants to write them down, not necessarily as they are. The stories that were written of people, you know, being farmers or being masons or having these skills and what they were known for. There were stories of family feuds, like back in the 1700s about this family hated this family and called them witches and blah, 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 but they weren't. And it was the worst thing you could ever tell someone. But then their kids fell in love and it was like a little Shakespearean story. And they got married anyway. 
but they had to move over here. <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, it just keeps going on and on and on. We all have that in our history. And it made me think too, like, man, to be able to pull from that strength and to pull from that history to go, there's someone in my history related to me that if I could go back in time and talk to them, like, what if I wanted to talk to this person who is like a master stoneworker who built stairs to a cathedral and was so good at it that they sent him over to another country to like build all of the churches in their new country in this new city. And because he was so good at it, he got to be the governor and all this stuff. Like, what would that person have to say to me about the problems that I'm having today? Or like, how would he tackle that problem? And how would this woman who was like a master healer and a teacher who came over and like rescued children. Like there's all kinds of neat tales of like, what would she have to offer me or say about life? What's her wisdom? And I'm curious about those things because often when we think about the past, when they say like, Oh, if you could go back in time or talk to anyone living or dead, who would you want to talk to? Most of us go immediately to like, I want to talk to Shakespeare or someone that we think of as famous. And I want to know what they'd have to say about something but it's cool to think that there's someone in your own history that you don't even know about <laughs> that probably had a shit ton of cool shit to tell you and an amazing perspective on life who lived through some like legit hardships. I had histories of people being like burned alive. That's crazy. People witnessing like smallpox outbreaks and plagues and all kinds of stuff. And you know, they come through the other side, obviously, because they had children. And eventually they had me. That's insane. Like just the fact of our existence blows my mind. It's incredible. We should all be thankful. I can't believe we all made it this far. <laughs> Hopefully we'll keep going. That's a whole nother podcast as well, but we're going to keep it positive. So I've just been thinking about what did I learn from diving through history? Oh, here's something else the amount of children that people had and what was expected of them and the roles that people played were very different from what seems to have happened in the last hundred years. Um, what's interesting to me is that I found that both men and women were working throughout for all of it. So I was still finding nurses and midwives and healers and teachers and textile weavers of both sexes, people who were holding titles and had like, clout and money, both sexes again, although it seemed to pass down from the paternal um, lineage, but it still passed to their daughters as well. So it's interesting to be like, things have changed, but how much has it actually changed? Quite a lot and then not at all. But the amount of children and the amount of care, I guess, that was expected of people to each other and to their families seems to be different and the pace of life seems to be different. So something that I talk about with clients these days is like, what are our expectations of ourselves and how much do we think we have to accomplish in our life to be succeeding? And where's our energy being pulled? And how much are we clear on what's expected of us? And how much do we just assume is expected of us? And is it too much? <laughs> is it too much for just a single person? So what I can tell you is that I'm going to say, let's be generous and say 200 years ago, there were not families that were small and the families lived in communities. Like there's histories of like, they all knew each other. They were at each other's weddings. Like they took care of each other. They built each other's houses and all these things happened. It was not the same as us 
these days living in like a little tiny house and having our one or two kids and a dog and nobody's building each other's houses and we all have to take out loans and mortgages and we hire people that we don't know to do all this stuff. It seemed so much more connected and interwoven and that there was a much more social support context happening in the past that seems very lacking these days. When you see that and you see it just um, again and again, statistically, and just seeing like there were 12 kids, there were 13 kids, there were five kids, there was this, like once people were getting beyond like seven or eight children, it was like your top two males in particular were going to inherit your titles and your land. Maybe all of the kids were going to split some of your land. It was also that if you had extra children, <laughs> I don't, I, that sounds so crazy. If you had extra children, some of them were going to be dedicated to the clergy and that was like their job. Some of them were expected to stay home and take care of their parents. So that was often like the oldest daughter. So unless they went off and got knocked up and had to go start a family of their own, they were going to stay at the house and take care of their aging parents until they died. And that was their job. And that was just what was expected. And it happened and it happened and it happened. And I can see how things have gotten spread thin is like we just had so many people and now we have fewer people per family, but all of those roles are expected to be fulfilled by each individual. And it's kind of impossible. And we set ourselves up for failure. So I know I'm reading a lot into just like my own little ancestry deep dive here, but it seemed interesting. And these are the thoughts that were coming to me is like, wow, we really expect a lot of individuals right now. Also, not every individual is going to become like a master carpenter, a stonemason, someone like celebrated and famous. That's not all of our like destinies, I guess, for lack of a better word. Yes, there's going to be a few people that have that, but I'm pretty sure that even in their own experience, it wasn't that they thought that they were doing something magnificent. I think a lot of them were just showing up and living their lives. And I think some of the ones that I know that were doing very well, the stories written about them are that they weren't very nice people and they were, you know, difficult. And one was like, really good at his job and got a lot of land, but he was a sue happy and was constantly suing everybody. And this was back in like the 1650s. <laughs> like He came over and he's like, I'll take your land and I'll take your land and you suck and you're not doing stuff. So these things are written down. Like there's books about these people and you're like, huh, that's really interesting. So like human nature is still human nature. So it's easy to romanticize the past and think like, oh, things were better then. But if you look at it objectively, you're like, it wasn't better then. It was like the same shit, but with different technology. People were still mean to each other. People still felt they deserved more than they got. People worked hard. People died. Things were hard. It's fascinating. And it makes me have compassion for us all as like, wow, like somehow here we are and we're alive. And we have this gift of being around and isn't it easier if we're just helping each other out? I guess I got a lot of that from looking at this as well as to go, man, like when people stuck together, when they knew each other and they took care of each other, great things were accomplished. Things were built that still last hundreds of years later. Like that always fascinates me. I've always been fascinated by architecture. Now I know why. Apparently it runs in the family. <laughs> it's fascinating to me. To be able to make something like that that lasts and the care and the um, ingenuity that goes into that and the desire to do it too. And what's cool in my mind, and I don't know if it's just that this is what was written down, is that in my family that's alive today, I have 
what appears to be a lot of scientists and healthcare people and a lot of artists and um, crafty people. And that's what I'm seeing just through the ages as well. It's like that's what was written down as the healers, the people that were stonemasons and master carpenters and builders. I didn't see anyone. Oh, well, one was a musician. Um, but it's interesting. It's interesting that those are the things of note. And maybe it's also possible that because that's what I'm interested in, that's what I noticed <laughs> reading these histories, or maybe that's what people find interesting. And that's why they wrote stories about them. But it's cool. I also really like language. So I liked when I was coming up um, and finding people that were interpreters for other languages and um, being like on envoys to other communities and liaisons, I guess, between different nations. That's really, really cool to me, too. Anyway, I just thought I'd share all that with you because I found it really, really interesting and fascinating. I did spend hundreds of hours doing it. I feel like I have a better sense of it's so weird. I don't even want to say like where I came from, but a sense of belonging within my own history to be like, ah, oh, these are the people that helped create the life I'm living in a very specific sense. You know, when you look at your country, you're like people, people like came here and they fought for us and they did whatever. But when you start to know their names and know their history and be like, oh, this person founded this like town in Massachusetts, that stuff is kind of cool. And then you're like, oh, this person even decided to interact with the Canadian people because they were at war with the Iroquois and they needed guns, essentially. And the Dutch were trading guns to the Iroquois just for pelts and skins and whatever. And then the fur traders couldn't do that with the French. The French would only give you weapons if you converted to their religion, which is so fascinating. So my um, Huron relatives back so far ago seemed to have become so in part so that they could fight a war they were already losing, which is crazy. And it's like, you do what you have to do to survive. It's so interesting because I was like, well, what would ever motivate someone to like give up their kid and let them take on a different name and live under like a sponsor family and have that be documented? And then you read the history and you're like, oh, I get it. Like, that's just crazy. It blows your mind. And you see, or at least I see, so much more understanding and compassion for similar situations that are playing out right now in time because it continues to play out constantly. So I guess that's part of it too, is recognizing that these cycles of history, they do repeat and they repeat and they repeat. And when we see that we're capable of having so much more compassion and appreciation and understanding for what people are going through and what that experience might be like for them. It makes you want to step up and show up and be there for each other. So I guess that was the best thing that's come out of this for me is a greater depth of compassion for humanity, a greater desire to see people just do better, all of us, because we are all ultimately connected and we are ultimately all human. We're all part of the same family. There's no way that we're not all related. <laughs> it's crazy. Like the more you look back, like there's no way that we're not all related. So that makes you feel a part of something. Mm. So with all of that behind me, I feel like I'm a little more connected to each of you. I hope that you have some way of feeling 
connected to the people in your life, to your place and your time. It's weird how going through the past helped me more feel connected to my present. Um, I don't think it's necessary necessarily (laughs) to go through all of that. But for me, who likes to think about people and why they do what they do, it was a fun way to spend a few months and ponder and learn some of these histories. And it makes me want to actually get some of these books that were published and get to know them better because some of them really have excellently documented like by their own hand writings of what was going on and how they were feeling and what was happening. And that to me is much more interesting than just like a history lesson of like, and then this happened and this happened. And, and so we now have Massachusetts. And so we now have Canada. It's more interesting to hear a human story and be like, Oh, this person cared about this person. And they were interested in this and didn't like that. And their favorite food was this. I I don't know. Those things are cool. Oh, I even found cookbooks from like the 1700s. (laughs) So that was really neat too, to go like, oh, what were people eating? What was it like for them? What, how did they make their houses and their beds and their clothes and what was going on? So that kind of stuff also, again, being crafty, I want to make stuff and I love food. So I'm always fascinated for that as well. Anyway, I've talked enough about it. If you're fascinated by history, if you want to learn more about your own ancestry, go ahead and check it out. You can go back for free for a little bit. I think like through the 1800s, at least in America, if you have ancestors going back to other countries, which I'm sure all of us do in America, at some point we all came from somewhere else or we came from somewhere that doesn't have a lot of written records, um, you either pay more to access other countries, but it's totally worth it if you find that sort of thing interesting. So go have fun, play and feel more connected. All right. Sending you love and I'll see you next week. Thanks so much for joining me. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and share it with someone you love and leave us a review. You can learn more and get some self-compassion tips and tricks by visiting coachwithblaze.com, where you can sign up to get my free booklet on overcoming anxiety, overwhelm, exhaustion, and burnout. I'm sending you so much appreciation and love, and I'll see you next time.